Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman. And this week, I have a return guest, Tracy, who I talked to in the very first episodes of this podcast back in 2021. And it's great to catch up with Tracy because sometimes you hear stories of my guests and their journey with sugar or rather without sugar. And then you wonder, well, how are they doing several months or one year or several years down the line? So it's always great to catch up with them. And we'll get to my chat with Tracy in just a minute. And this week's episode is brought to you by the After Sugar Club which is where you'll get the step-by-step guidance you need from me to help you let go of sugar and the emotional hold it has on you so that you can get to a place of freedom where you don't even need, want or miss it anymore. Check out everything that's included in the After Sugar Club at aftersugarclub.com and click on the green button, join the club. And if you're an intermittent faster, then I have five tips for you to help you get rid of cravings that may be getting in the way of you living your easy and natural intermittent fasting lifestyle. Go to aftersugarclub.com and download my five tips there. And if this is your first time here, welcome. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that it appears magically in your podcast player every Sunday. And if you've listened to several episodes before and you haven't yet left a review, could I ask you to scroll down, please, and rate the podcast by tapping on the stars and leave a lovely review to tell me how this podcast is helping you in your life after sugar. Has it inspired you to reduce sugar? Has it made you think about sugar a little bit differently? Let me know. I love reading your reviews. Thank you. All right, so here's my catch-up chat with Tracy. All right, and today I'm talking with Tracy. And actually, Tracy was on episode 10 of the Life After Sugar podcast way back when it started. And her episode 10 is called Sugar Was Taking Me Down. Tracy, lovely to see you again. Hi, Netta. I'm so happy to be here on the Life After Sugar podcast. You're so looking wonderful. And I'd like to know, where are you now? What's been going on since last time we talked? Oh, gosh, you know, so much has happened since the last time I appeared on your podcast. And if I remember correctly, I was early on in my sugar freedom life. And I look back on that and so much, I think I've grown more Uh, full scale in my life in the last probably year, year and a half than I have ever before since getting off of the sugar and removing the habituated use, the addiction and the enslavement 
to needing it every day. And um, I just, I've never felt better in my mind and my body since since leaving the sugar behind. And it, you know, it, it's helped me, I, I think to just directly answer your question, I've gained the, the self-confidence that I was lacking for a really long time because I was so ashamed of my secret war with sugar. So when I removed the secret war with sugar and got to the roots of why that was happening, it's like, oh my gosh, I trust myself now. I think maybe for the first time in 30 years, yeah, amazing. Isn't that amazing? So, I mean, when you say sugar, what do you refer to as like, what's your definition of sugar? Oh gosh, that's such a great question. And you know, this comes up so frequently in conversation as related to this thing called sugar addiction, because it's very controversial, as you know. Um, I used to use sugar on a daily basis. And I thought that I had control over it. Okay. I was like, um, in my teens and early adulthood, I was the junk food refined sugar addict. I mean, like little Debbie snack cakes, candy, donuts, ice cream, all those things. And I've been in fitness for a long time. I've worked as a fitness professional for 32 years this year. And that work um, I kind of like was able to evolve into clean eating treats. So then I became the dark chocolate, whole grain flour baker. People would come to me at work with Tracy has this new recipe for paleo brownies, or we would have events where everybody would bring a clean eating baked good. Well, Netta, truth be told, there was quite a bit of sugar in the baked goods. And I was refusing to go there with my truth. I always knew it, that I had a problem with sugar, but I justified this, even though I would be gorging on my dark chocolate, whole wheat, mini banana bread muffins. Yeah. Yes. That's Nobody quite a common occurrence. I find in the sort of health coaching or the health world, you know, not just coaching, but just the health and fitness world where there's this kind of distinction or this moral distinction between healthy sugars and non-healthy sugars. And I'm like, but it's all sugar. Yes. And you know, Netta, I would argue that we all know this. We all know this. And those of us that are overeating it or even binging, I would overeat and or binge on the healthy baked treats, not knowing why, but I still felt somehow I was kind of okay, even though I was ashamed of that, but it was healthy. Yeah. And then like all of the protein bars that are out there that are just as bad as candy bars, it can really be very confusing and it can really wreak havoc on our digestion <laughs> yeah. in a big way. Yeah. Cause of the sweetness of amongst other things. And so it's like, you know, they're called healthy sugars or they're perceived as being healthy or healthier. But the the behavior that you just described, your, you know, I quote you, the secret war, the binging, the guilt, that doesn't sound healthy to me. And that it goes over and above the actual food. Yes. And you know, Netta, I would say that that right there caused me more pain than the physical ramifications of stuffing myself with healthy baked goods because yeah. I gave up on myself. I didn't trust myself in my decision or relationship with food. 
there we have it. I, it, you know, I, um, I did not trust myself to be able to get through the holidays or even to get through a month without eating more than I wanted to, but I still didn't want to admit that I had to really get away from all of the baking because it brought me such joy. And was it your baking or was it um, industrially pre-made baked goods? Yeah, it was 90% my own stuff. Now that's interesting. Let, let me just explain this to you too. I'm so glad you asked that. I, again, I would, I would, I was describing how I was the clean eating baked guru, the pumpkin muffins, the how I, I found a healthy way to make everything that tasted good. And people came to me with those recipes and all that stuff. But on a really bad day, Netta, I would go through the Dunkin' Donuts and get like a small box of donut holes and park my car where nobody could see me. You know, heaven forbid somebody catch the Fit Pro eating donut, right? I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I was so ashamed of this and I'm popping those donut holes so quickly. And I remember thinking, I remember sitting in my car thinking, I know I have a problem. I just need this right now. And someday I'm going to figure this out. Isn't that just bad? I didn't know why I was checking out with those donut holes. Yeah. Well, you know, welcome to humanity. We've all been there, really, most of us at least. And I know we feel ashamed of that type of behavior after the fact and even during, but I think there's actually no shame in it. It's so common. And we just don't have the tools to deal with that or to take that step backwards and to actually analyze, why am I doing this? And it's almost like we've had these messages all our lives, you know, about like you were saying, well, this sugar is healthy, much healthier than this other one. And you're fine if you make it with this type of flour or the, you know, date puree or name it. And so, yeah, as you said, we get so confused And in that confusion, we can't even stop and analyze it properly because our head is buzzing. Yes. So how did you take that first step back and manage to actually step out of this paradigm and analyze your own behavior? Oh my gosh. I'm again, another great question. And as I'm hearing you describe everything that you just said, I, I I'm so happy to announce to everyone who is going through something similar, like what is the root cause of my problem? I found mine and I would venture to bet that a lot of your listeners may be in the same zone of my own route. When pandemic hit, uh, I, I was still healthy baking, right? I was still doing that thing. And I'm getting, I was getting older. I was, I turned, uh, I'm 52 right now. So I turned 50 in 2020 and I couldn't get away with eating as much of the sweet baked, healthy stuff. I started to notice that I would stay bloated for several more days. My, I, I was, my face was appearing puffy. So for those reasons, I started to cut back, but I was still using it. I still needed it every day day, something healthy and baked. And then sometimes before I went to bed, I'd have more. I was still doing that. When pandemic hit, we all kind of lost our minds to some degree in terms of what do I do now? Like this, a newfound sense of panic that we'd never experienced. And I may have touched on this in my original podcast. I'll, I'll just say this briefly. My binge eating days from my teens returned with a vengeance in that mode of checking out. What do I do? I can't control anything. I'm panicked. What do I do? So I started binging on ice cream. Like I was 16 again, that scared me. That scared me. So all of a sudden, Netta, I was forced to get off the hamster wheel and treadmill of running my life. 
I owned my own personal training studio. I was working a lot and I was, I had no time to just be with myself and my thoughts. And I had been running that life for so long because that's what we all did. And that's what I thought I was supposed to do to be a productive, you know, citizen in society and, you know, to be successful. So pandemic is when I had time to, to be with myself and realize, okay, Tracy, we went from binging on sweets as a teen to healthy baking. Now we're binging again. We have a problem and we don't have our own answers. So we can either go this path further, enter menopause, and then land in a swamp that we can't turn around and we're going to become depressed. We're going to be, it's going to get worse. All these things are going to get worse. Or we can use this time during pandemic to get productive and do some inner work that we've never done before. And I couldn't even say the words inner work until I found my very own health coach through the sugar addiction community. I hired and I spent money on this problem to, to have someone else help me. So I stopped white knuckling my food rules and I became open to what somebody else could teach me. And as a fit pro, we think we have all the answers to health and eating and all that. We don't. In fact, I could tell you, most of us are, we would, we have some sort of habit that we don't want our clients to know about. That's just the reality of it. So, and again, we're human. So when I hired my own coach, she helped me get to the root of my sugar addiction, which was, it started when I began my first diet as a slightly overweight child at the age of 12. That is when my binging on sugar took over. I always had a sweet tooth as a kid, but let's get real. I didn't start binging until I did not want to be that slightly chubby little girl going through puberty at age 12. Mm -hmm. I, I was going to fit into those short ass jeans come hell or high water. I needed to be thin because thin was in. My mother would tell me thin is in Tracy, thin is in. That meant I'm a failure unless I'm thin. Ouch. So I started running Netta with the dieting and guess what grew like a forest fire in my life? Sugar binging. That is what did it. That's what I discovered. That's my answer to your question. It was the dieting. Yeah. Yes. And that is like, it must've blown your mind. It's like 12 years old. You're still a, a baby at 12 years old. Although, you know, my kid is 14 now and, and, you know, 12 is when it starts this whole awareness of our body, awareness of our own shortcomings or the messages that we get you know, from our parents, bless them that, you know, nobody's trying out to, to hurt you. But sometimes those messages get a little bit twisted on the way <laughs> um, when we when they become our perception. And yeah, I think a lot of people can probably relate to what you just described as being the root cause. And I discovered that Netta, because in my healing during pandemic, I joined a sugar detox online group for the first time, I'm talking about my sugar problem with people I didn't even know. So the opposite of addiction is connection, I learned, right? So I'm posting and people are responding with compassionate words, with empathy. They understood 
they they were validating me. It was the most liberating feeling ever that other people were on this journey and had the same struggles as me. Because, you know, most of us don't talk about this. It's not something that is recognized, a sugar addiction, a binge eating problem, emotional, emotional eating, like all the eating disorder categories are out there, but there's another population of us that's not identified. So we just think that we're lacking willpower, we're slovenly, and uh, we're, we're just ashamed. I just want to take a little break to tell you that if you're looking for some free resources on how to cut sugar and really feel free from the hold it has on you and also look after your gut health and make your intermittent fasting lifestyle easy and natural and get rid of those cravings that are getting in the way, then head on over to AfterSugarClub.com and download my five tips for getting rid of cravings and my simple guide to getting more energy with less sugar. You can also find lots of free resources for cutting sugar on the Life After Sugar Facebook page and you can subscribe to the Life After Sugar YouTube channel as well as my Instagram account at MyLifeAfterSugar That's where I post pictures of what I do, what I eat, sometimes pictures of our cat. And basically, you'll see that it's perfectly possible to live a happy and active life, even if you don't eat sugar. So when I started to discuss, hey, you know what? I went on my first diet at 12. That's really when my sugar binging started. The floodgates opened and I'm getting contacted with by all of these new amazing people, mostly women. There were some men thrown in there, but it was mostly women and they were agreeing. Yeah, I started dieting as a teen. Yes, I've been dieting and, and I binge and I'm thinking there's the light bulb that went off. I'm not alone in this dieting thing. So I started writing one day, I opened up a word document, Netta, my coach. And I was also seeing a therapist at the time over some other issues. And, um, they were both telling me, Tracy, you have a story. There's a story. Well, I felt this urge Netta to start. I had to start typing. It felt good before work every morning. I take about a half an hour and I opened up word document and it, it didn't sound right. It wasn't grammatic, grammatically correct. I didn't care. I just started typing it that did. turned into my story. And I started reading it back and I'm crying and it, I was healing. I didn't realize it then, but I was healing. I was talking to myself and that turned into me finding a publishing company and recently publishing my first book called the diet free diva. And it's five steps for women for freedom and peace with food, body, and self on your trusted and sustainable terms without dieting. It's been like the most fulfilling thing ever. Wonderful. Love it. Love the whole thing about it, you know, and it's it's just wonderful that you're suffering and you know you're not alone but you feel like you're alone when it's happening but your story your suffering is now helping hundreds and thousands of people you know you're paying it forward yes and you know Netta when I discovered that it wasn't just me with the root of diet culture I had this feeling like I just climbed a mountain and I was shouting from the top of the mountain. I became like productively pissed about this. Like, oh my gosh, we need to create a movement enough. 
Like we need to stop the madness. So, you know, any of your listeners out there, because I've encountered this a little bit, you know, with my book, well, I don't, I don't, I don't go on diets. You might be dieting and not realize it. And, you know, I, I think the biggest commercial diet I ever did was like the Weight Watchers, which really blew out my sugar binging because of the rigidity and the black and white thinking. You know, I did Whole30, I did a few other plans, but shout out to your listeners. If you are doing some sort of self-created food control program for yourself, because that became mine. I developed, I took pieces from paleo, I took pieces from keto, and I took what I learned from Weight Watchers, and I created this rigid program of food restriction for myself based on what I perceived was going to deliver a result. I was the always, you know, when I lose the 10 pounds, then I'll like myself. It was always, I'm going to begin to live my life when I lose the 10 pounds. That was me. And I think a lot of women do that. So if you are, if you are fighting with food, if you're, if you're fearing food, if you're dreading Friday night and going out with your spouse, or going to that event with friends, or the upcoming holiday season, you're dieting. And you need my book, because I help you break down the thoughts that are attached to that, that are rooted from the toxic dieting culture. And I help women find freedom 365 days a year, including, including the holidays and your special events, the birthdays where you're not deprived, you're not restricting, and you're on a path of peace. And what I mean, Netta, by the diet-free diva is once we discover a peaceful, shifted, rescripted relationship with food that maybe we've never had before, there's so much freedom to do that thing that we were meant to do. We, we're all good at something. And I would encourage everyone to listen. Like, there's something that you're really good at. Like, for example... I'm a good coach. I'm a great exercise coach. I was getting bored with exercise, frankly, but I'm still a good coach. Now I coach dieting freedom and holistic wellness for women. That's my thing. But I always believed, well, I have to lose the 10 pounds and be this, this model of perfection. No. So anyone out there, you have a thing that you do really, really well. And if you are telling yourself, you're putting that on the back burner until you lose the weight, until you figure out this thing with food, until you figure out how to eat, it's just not fair to you. So your diva, your aspect of you that you do really well when you rock your world in that thing that you do that serves the world at a high level, when you find peace with food, then you can rock out that best diva thing that you do. Absolutely. You know, and that that is amazing as a message and as your lived experience. And I, you know, what you describe is what I've been living for the last seven years. And it's really difficult to imagine when you're in the thick of the, the you know, the sugar. I, I hesitate to call it an addiction, but, you know, I think we should get that word out of the closet a little bit more to do with food and sugar. And so, but whatever we call it, when you're in the midst of this self-loathing and the guilt and the behavior that you're ashamed of, it's really, really difficult. And I would say impossible, really, to imagine that life could be free and easy, 365 days a year, as you say, whatever is out there, whether it's Halloween or Christmas or whatever, the celebration, your birthday, name it, it doesn't matter because you're carrying your diva within you. Yes. And you trust her. That's the thing. When we're battling sugar, Netta, 
there's something about us that we don't like because it, not for everyone, okay, but for people that are battling sugar, we have a certain challenge. Like for example, if anyone listening, if you're that person like me that could never have just three or even just five little fun size candy bars at Halloween and you were sneaking, you didn't want anyone else to see how much you were really eating and hiding the wrappers or if at birthday parties, you wanted more than your piece of cake. You had to have more than one cupcake. There's your sign. Because yeah. not everybody's like that. Not everyone's like that. And I'm like that. What you just described was me before, before my life after sugar. But yes, ever, since then, I've discovered, Jen, some people can eat a bite of cupcake and stop. I mean, good for them, you know, I, but I just couldn't. Um, and what do you say to people who say, well, hang on, you're talking about all these restrictive diets, but not eating sugar is also a restriction. And some people also call it a restrictive diet. What do you say to that? Oh, you know what? I'm, <laughs> I was going to bring that up if you didn't, because I'm putting myself in the listening audience during our conversation. And if I'm here interested in life after sugar and I'm trying to get there, I want to know does it, how do you include sugar? Is sugar in there or is it not in there? You're talking about diet and like, oh my gosh, it's sugar. Let's go there together. Here's what I believe. And I outline this in the Diet Free Diva book. And it's in chapter four. It's not in chapter one, by the way. It's in chapter four because there's a lot of other stuff in our work that we do with our thoughts that take place before we talk about food. Now, I'm saying this based on my own experience and Netta, you probably will agree with this. And I speak on behalf of other people in my sugar detox community that I'm in touch with all the time. Okay. There are, there's not one perfect way to get off of sugar. Everybody has a unique journey, just like there's not one perfect diet for anyone. I believe with every ounce of my being that in order to get to the other side of sugar addiction, or let's say habituated use of sugar, wherever you land in that realm, you have to first get it the heck out of your brain and your body so you can think and see clearly. I didn't know who I was without the sugar fog. I, that was my life. I lived in the sugar fog my entire life. So when I began with um, the sugar detoxing, in other words, here's the deal. When you detox from sugar, you start eating whole, unprocessed, clean foods. You get rid of your main offenders, which is all the refined crap and the flour. It goes hand in hand, the sugar and the flour, the processed white powdery stuff. And you take this on as an experimental journey one day at a time. In my chapter four, I call it a 14-day whole foods cleanup experiment. 14 days. You can do 14 days. You can do anything for 14 days. Oh God. Yeah. But let me just be clear. It's not a diet. It's an experiment. I teach you how to think and be in your body, in your mind, in your spirit during that time. So you start to notice how this is big, how you feel in your brain and your body when you start to clear out the crap. This was an enlightening thing for me when I discovered, wow, it's an experiment. There's not an ending way in date. In fact, I recommend stay off the scale. It's an antiquated measure of nonsense. It really is. And um, 
that's just my opinion. But when you take it on as an experiment, let's say let's 14 days on day 15, you check in with yourself. Well, how are you feeling? How have you been thinking during this journey? If you're thinking, oh gosh, I can't have that thing everybody else has, then there's going to be a problem. But I teach you how to think about taking on an ele an elevation mindset. In other words, I'm choosing not to eat that and eat this instead, because why? We worked on that why. That's different than, oh gosh, everybody else can have the Halloween candy. Do you see what I'm saying? We need to move away from the deprivation mindset and into the elevation mindset, or it's not going to work. Yeah. Do you see how the mind and the emotion are tied into this? So it's not just fight. Then we're not fighting. Then we're choosing and we're growing. Love it. Yeah. yeah. I often get asked, you know, can't you have sugar? And I'm like, yeah, try and stop me. That's not the right question to be asking me. It's not about can or can't. I mean, how, you know, I'm in my 50s, we're the same age. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. But the right question to be asking is, do you want sugar? Or even better, why don't you want sugar? Well, because right. I don't actually want to feel like crap. And that's the end of that. It's all based on how you want to feel. That has to be really important. And that becomes when you start to notice how you feel, you get a taste of wellness when you keep the crap out. Let's go there though, after the 14 days, let's say after 20 days, after 30 days, and you're on a journey, but there's this, I had this little fear, Netta, like, oh God, okay. Easter's coming up. I'm going back to when I did my, my first challenge. Easter was coming up. Like, what am I going to do? All the things. And when I learned how to be present and aware with how I felt spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically in my body without the crap, because I was so sick of feeling sick. I had gotten there. Right. And I started to notice, I really like how I feel is that I'm a little afraid to take a bite of that thing. So I made it to Thanksgiving Netta, without any refined anything. I took a bite of my daughter's dessert that she made out of love for our family. And I knew it. I went into that with the, the experiment of I'm going to test the waters. I feel so great. I'm changing. I'm shifting. I took a few bites of her dessert. I felt, I noticed I was ready. <laughs> I noticed what it did to my brain. It was like zing. Two things happened. Number one, I felt that zing of dopamine. Number two, I discovered that the first three bites tasted fine. I felt that zing. And I really, for the first time, I became that woman, that mature woman that I was dying to be who said, ah, you know what? I don't want any more. I'm telling you, I don't want it. And I really didn't because I learned how to connect with how I really felt. That was the biggest celebration of my life because I never could have just one serving. I would finish everybody else's and I'd be digging through the leftovers in the kitchen when everybody else went home. So if that answers your question, and that is how I approach very special occasions with anybody listening, wondering, well, what else do you do now? I give myself the experiment on certain planned big occasions, like my kids' birthdays, my birthday holidays, not every weekend. That's not an occasion for me, but it helps me to not get into fighting de in deprivation mode. I want to taste a little bit of apple pie on Thanksgiving for the love of all things holy. So I know now that I go into dessert. I'm already a little bit full from dinner. 
I've learned that I can trust myself with just a couple of bites. That's just me. Now I know other people that are like, oh, hell no, never. And that's great to me. That's deprivation mode. That scares me a little bit. So now I tell, I can have anything I want, but I know how it's going to make me feel. And I go at that with a very wise mindset. In other words, now I've taught myself to savor on very few occasions, delayed gratification, not instant gratification, which means I'm sabotaging and I'm, I'm not mindful at all when I'm eating it. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. I, I call that uh, what I say happened to me is that I grew up and I became an adult in my life after sugar rather than a toddler. And, you know, no offense to anyone. I'm just speaking about myself, but my behavior matured thanks to cutting sugar. You know, Netta, in my book, The Diet Free Diva, I describe what you just said, that we go from princess, little bratty child princess, I need to, I need to lose weight so the world love me into queen. I'm going to choose what I eat based on these reasons that serve me. Yeah. Love They're that. Diva. Like get out of the way because we have a life to live and other yeah. people are benefit when we are in our queen mode of grace, where we've adulted with food. Yeah. From princess to diva. Love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be a diva or a queen? <laughs> yeah. That's what diva means. It's not like, you know, some Beyonce rock star that is us as our best version of who we were meant to be on planet earth. Love it. Love it. And so Tracy, um, where can people find your book? Yeah. Okay. Well, here's my website, theholisticdivas.com. There's a link there to the, to Amazon. My book's on Amazon. There's also a link there where you can get your free workbook to get you started working in the five steps. Cause it's a little different. I coach you how to write your food story, just like I did. There's also a link to contact me because I support everyone in a free 60 minute session where you can tell me your story, because once you get that out, that's stage one of healing. And then I help you get through to the next stage. So thank you for asking. Yeah, thank you for coming and sharing your story. And it's so inspiring for people listening. It's certainly inspiring for me because, you know, we each have our story and you have gone such a long way and now you're sharing it with others, paying it forward. Thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Oh, thank you so much, Netta. And I am so, so honored to be on the Life After Sugar podcast because there is a lot of life to live once you get off of the addiction and the, you know, habituated use of sugar. Thank you, Tracy. Uh, isn't Tracy inspiring? Not just for having cut sugar from her life, but for helping others to do the same. And she and I are part of a wonderful group of, how shall I put it, helpers for other people who are looking to cut sugar from their lives because we've been there, we get it. And now, because we feel so good in our lives after sugar, we've got the mental bandwidth and the energy and the heart to help others. I'll put Tracy's info and the link to her book in the show notes with this episode. And if you want more support from me and from our lovely community, full of curious and slightly rebellious health-conscious people, most of whom who are intermittent fasters, 
but not all of them. Then come and join us in the After Sugar Club. As Tracy was saying in this episode, the opposite of addiction is connection. And in the After Sugar Club, that's where you'll get the support from a community of others who are on the same path as you and who get it and who get you. So they won't judge you because they understand what it's like to be on the path to letting go of sugar. And you'll also have access to our live support calls that I call check-in calls. That's where you'll get all the support, the guidance and the accountability you need so that you don't have to do this alone. Just go to aftersugarclub.com and click on the green button, join the club. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.